good morning church uh so that was just a quick update things are moving rapidly out there at the building and we added two more chairs this past week let's thank god for that that is a blessing a total of 163 chairs and our goal is 300 sometime this fall winter and so we just are thankful for everything that has come in and i just want to encourage you if you feel like well i'm on the sidelines and I don't know, and, and I, or this, here's something too. This voice came into my mind that said that we should give, and I don't know if that's God or the devil. I can guarantee you it's the Lord. <laughs> the devil would not want to build the kingdom of God. Let me just tell you that. So just answer that confusion right away. Uh, but be a part of. How many of you know that sometimes opportunities like this don't come in our lifetime? Did you hear that? And then we can be a part. We can choose to be a part of what God is doing that has eternal rewards, like that live on beyond you. That's what I want. Amen. So we're so thankful and grateful for all that has taken place. Um, we made some uh, announcements about doing some landscaping out there. Uh, now we've gotten rain, so everything's muddy for some reason. Uh, so we're waiting until that dries out. But we'll keep you posted on that on Saturdays where you can be a part in a blessing as that opens up. And then um, many of you know, if you don't, please make note, uh, we're coming back from two services in the summer to one service next week. So next week, 10 a.m. Can we shout 10 a.m.? Not 10.30, <laughs> 10 a.m. Uh, we're coming together. Fellowship time from 9.30 to 10, as we do here uh, in the foyer, so you can be a part of that. But prayer in my office will be from 9 to 9.30. Uh, so as we move uh, into preparation, moving with momentum into our, our new building, we want to come together. We've had people that have joined through the summer and just want to get to know all of you in the church family. Uh, just a couple of things. Um, we believe church is essential. And Church for the Harvest is not closing. I'm just telling you that right now, okay? <clears throat> so uh, just to let you know, <laughs> that's what we're doing. And, and I think those decisions, has, uh, uh, God, God is honoring that. And, and so we're just moving forward. And uh, uh, we have Julie Coddington that's going to share. She did an amazing job this morning. She has a little bit more time, but I just feel to just to read a little bit uh, as I introduce uh, Julie. On uh, She's going to be sharing on this hot topic of critical race theory and other things. Julie Coddington, many of you know, is the church treasurer. She's been uh, with the church from its inception, from actually the living room, Jackie and Julie, a tremendous couple. We love them dearly. Uh, impeccable work that she does with the finances. I mean, we don't take the offering and shove it in a brown bag and then go, hey, let's eat. You know, and there's none of that. Impeccable, impeccable. Uh, she's just an amazing job. So, yes, it's true where she, you know, even... Anyhow, other churches call and ask about how can we do things better and to speak to Julie. So uh, she has a background in accounting and has worked in the field for more than 30 years with a variety of organizations from very large corporations to small uh, locally owned businesses and nonprofit entities. Julie, once again, married to Jack. They have two sons, Chris and AJ. 
her interest. Julie loves to continue to learn, and that is for certain. Uh, she's involved with the staff reading, and, and I usually read, I usually say Julie's commentary, because <laughs> wherever we miss it, Julie brings clarity, and so it's amazing. She's an amazing woman of God, and we're blessed. Uh, she enjoys participating in different growth opportunities at Harvest offers an enricher relationship with the Lord. She also enjoys spending time with her family and friends, is traveling when the opportunity arises, and also uh, her education, a BA in accounting from Concordia College in Moorhead, an MBA from St. Thomas University in St. Paul, JD from Hamlin University School of Law. That was back in 2015. With all that, can we honor our sister Julie Coddington as she comes to share? Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Thank you for the honor of being able to be up here and talk about this today. <clears throat> I'm excited to go through this with you all. The purpose of the message today is to inform you, to help bring some understanding about critical race theory. The word says that we perish from lack of knowledge. I'm going to discuss the concepts of critical race theory as well as other ideologies involved in today's social justice movement. Plus, we're gonna take a look at how these philosophies compare to a biblical worldview. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this time. God, we wanna honor you in all that we do. And Lord, I just humble myself and I just ask that you would speak through me I pray for everyone listening to this message, Lord, that you would have them hear and understand what they need to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. With everything going on in the world today, it is very easy to feel overwhelmed. A lot of shaking is going on. Nations are changing almost overnight. And there are many things dividing society here today in America. Critical race theory is one of those things that's causing division. You've probably seen information and comments about it on social media, news articles, even locally here in letters to the editor and the Board of Education election race. But this is also an issue that's currently causing some divisions in the body of Christ, in churches and denominations, even here in Minnesota. Pastor Vodi Bakum has written a book about this divide that's going on in the church, which he compares to a divide of a fault line in the earth, where the crack keeps getting wider and wider, meaning it will become harder and harder as one continues to try and be part of both sides. You know, when I started law school, one of the concepts of dealing with the analysis of laws that was a challenge for me because I came from such a transactional accounting background was that answers could be so varied and interpreted differently. The answer for everything was, it depends. On an exam, your answer could be prepared, argued, and refute the issue for the side that you were coming from, and someone else could answer the opposite side for the opposing view. And both answers would be given credit because the issue was the application of the law. And this is hap what's happening here in this divide. Two sides are exerting influence, and they may sound like they make sense. Thus, one may get caught up and swayed by points and reasoning of one side. But, 
as Christians, we need to keep going back to our biblical worldview. This is our law, the law of the Bible, to see if what we are taking in and accepting is in line with his word. So there is a lot of information to share regarding critical race theory. There's a lot of concepts and terms, so that's mostly what we're going to be going through is some definitions. But you may have heard some of these. Privilege, fragility, colonialism, systemic, hegemony, identity, equity, anti-racist, oppressed, oppressor. These are all part of the current social justice movement and critical race theory. Woke is also one of the words that you may have seen. Woke and awake both mean that you're not asleep, right? You're, we're aware. But in today's culture, woke is a culture vernacular of awake and is increasingly used as a byword for social awareness, especially being conscious of racial discrimination in society and other forms of oppression. The hashtag stay, stay woke gained a lot of use in recent years related to injustice issues. So being woke or awake really is a question of what worldview are you following? We need to watch, be alert, and aware of which worldview we are using to perceive what's going on around us. Because that's exactly what a worldview is. It's a set of beliefs, so we'll go to that slide, a set of beliefs about fundamental aspects of reality that ground and influence all one's perceiving thinking, knowing, and doing. So in the current social justice culture, we have two competing worldviews. There's the biblical worldview and what I'm calling the critical social justice worldview. They're, these are the two opposing sides of the fault line mentioned earlier. The critical social justice worldview encompasses all of the current social justice theology, including critical race theory. But before I get into the concepts of critical race theory, I need to back up a bit and just talk about critical theory. Because the current social justice worldview stems from critical theory. Critical theory was developed by a group of sociologists at the University of Frankfurt in Germany, referred to as the Frankfurt School back in the 1920s. In the 1930s, this group came to the US and started bringing their philosophy to university systems in the United States. So as you can see in this picture on the screen, critical theory has spawned several additional philosophies, one of which is critical race theory. So first we're gonna take a look at the concepts of critical theory. Now many of my slides have lots of words on them, okay? Because these are concepts and they're definitions, and I realize that people learn differently. Some of you learn by hearing, but others learn by reading, so I just wanted to provide both. First, the theorists that developed critical theory expanded Karl Marx's conflict theory. So if you've seen comments, because sometimes this comes up in a discussion that this ideology is based on Marxism, this is where it's coming from. The conflict theory that Karl Marx developed was about different economic classes competing for a limited pool of resources. But the critical theorists expanded it to include cultural forces as facilitators of domination and barriers to freedom. And the main goal, of course, is to stru address structural issues that cause inequity. The mindsets where these concepts are coming from utilize the zero-sum type thinking, where the pie is only so big, and the pieces of the pie have to be reallocated then to give something to someone else. But for God, 
provision and resources never end. He is the God of multiplication. The prophet Joel shared how God states that he can restore the years the locusts have, have stolen. And God can do that for you and your family as well. Critical theory divides the world into oppressed groups and their oppressors along the lines of race, class, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, physical ability, age, weight, and a host of other identity markers. The next concept is that the goal of critical theory is liberation of the oppressed. Liberation is done by exerting force on oppressors and their structures to allow oppressed peoples to obtain material and power that was held by the oppressor. In this worldview, liberation is the type of moral duty. A concept that's woven throughout this is the concept of equity, meaning that the end outcome is the same for all, and liberating the oppressed to bring that about. Ibram Kendi, who is the author of the 2019 published book, How to Be Anti-Racist, has stated that to accomplish this, the only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination. So when you hear of corporations or school systems doing equity studies or training, this ide ideology is more than likely what is behind it. And this would also be true for seminars and classes on grievance studies. Another tenet of critical theory is that individual identity is bound to the group identity. So access to truth, one's moral status, and the moral obligations are largely determined by the membership in either a dominant oppressor group or a subordinate oppressed group. Critical theory also expands the definition of the word oppression from meaning unjust or cruel exercise of authority or power to now be view viewed in terms of hegemonic power. Hegemonic power is the ability of a particular group to impose its norms, values, and expectations on the rest of society. Given these beliefs, this is what critical theorists view as oppression. Racism, sexism, classism, ableism, capitalism, heteronormativity, which would be the biblical view of a marriage relationship between a man and a woman, and cisgender privilege. I don't know if, for someone in my generation, I wasn't quite familiar with that term, but it's spelled C-I-S-G-E-N-D-R, and it means that a person identifies with the sex that you were born with. So I am cisgender. This concept of hegemonic power is also having words redefined as part of critical race theory. An example is the word racism. Instead of it just being the belief that certain races are inferior, it's been expanded to mean prejudice plus power, with that power being the hegemonic power. So now white people are automatically viewed, that's what we're discovering is racist because they are viewed as the dominant group in the current racial dynamic. So if you hear white people apologizing for being white, you know that they are being influenced by this ideology. All right, just take a deep breath. There's a lot of words here, a lot of information. But now we're gonna just take a look at the critical theory, um, social justice worldview and compare it to Christianity. So worldview questions are who are we? What is our problem? What's the solution? What is our duty and what is our purpose? In Christianity, we believe that we are God's creatures, that sin is our problem. The solution is Jesus. 
Our duty is loving God, and our purpose is glorifying God. In critical theory, people are members of various groups. The problem is oppression. The solution is liberation. The duty is liberating the oppressed, and the purpose is working for liberation. Again, liberation being done as a moral duty by exerting force on oppressors and allowing oppressed peoples to obtain material and power held by an oppressor. One commentator said that critical theory is a liberation theology, not a savior theology. So if you haven't caught on yet, Christianity is one group identified as where oppression comes from. Oppression also comes from patriarchy, white supremacy, heteronormativity, toxic masculinity, classism, ageism, ableism, and cisgenderism. Another way to look at this is that the Christian's worldview is based on a creator who created creation. Then there was the fall with original sin. Redemption was obtained through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, which allows for us to be restored to God. The biblical worldview comes from the perspective that we are all sinners in need of a savior. The critical social justice worldview does not acknowledge a creator, excuse me, so their original sin is oppression, which can only be removed through activism. Activism by protest, resistance, education, and awareness, and then the end result should be liberation through equality, power reversal, justice, and diversity. So those are the concepts we just went through of critical theory, which again, it's the oppressed oppressor groups, liberation, group identity, hegemonic power. So now we're gonna move into talking about critical race theory, because all of those foundations of critical theory are part of it. Critical race theory was developed in the 1970s and is an academic ideology that provides a framework for examining systemic racism and how cultural perceptions of race have affected people in this country from slavery to the present time. The job of the anti-racist is to expose the workings of this systemic racism, no matter how incremental, and call them out. And again, earlier we learned that racism is now being viewed through hegemonic power, where values, norms, and expectations that were placed on oppressive groups. I mentioned Ibram Kendi before, who was a leader in the critical race movement. He <clears throat> asserts that to declare oneself not racist while doing nothing to actively combat racism is the same as being racist. So if you kneel during the Star Spangled Banner, you are an anti-racist, and if you do not, you are racist. There is no neutral ground. Another important concept in critical race theory is intersectionality. Intersectionality is the acknowledgement that everyone has their own unique experiences of discrimination and oppression. Everything and, every, everything and anything is considered that can marginalize people, gender, race, class, sexual orientation, physical ability, etc. So this means that one person may be part of several group identities and layers of oppression. These layers of group interests intersect with one another then. For example, myself as a woman, I would be told that I have a layer of oppression because I'm a woman. But I would also be part of an oppressor group because I am white. If I were a lesbian, I would have another layer of oppression, one for being a woman and one for being a lesbian. 
And in a moment, you will see another concept, a critical race theory, where the experience of being in an oppressed group gives one authority to speak on it. So the more oppressed layers you have, the more authority you are deemed to have to speak on truth about expression. One of the speakers I listened to named Miki Addison from the American Family Association called this the race to the bottom. Since the more layers of oppression you have, gives you more authority to speak on it. All right, now we're gonna go on to the tenets of critical race theory. The first concept listed is actually something that everyone does agree on, that race has been constructed socially. Race is a product of social thought that is not based on any biological or genetic reality. Skin color makes no biological difference as we are one human race. We may be part of different cultures or ethnic groups, but we are still one human race. And God created us with different levels of melanin for a purpose. We all have these beautiful, different hues of skin color. And what a beautiful picture that is. In Revelations 9, John shares a vision he sees where there is a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, and tongue, all worshiping and praising God together. We are part of one body. The next tenant is that racism is viewed as ordinary and an everyday experience. This is the lens that critical race theory uses to analyze power structures. And they assert that racism is the normal way of life and an everyday experience for people of color in our society. And again, this is because the concept has been expanded to include that hegemonic power. Next, interest convergence. This means that the current system serves a purpose for the dominant group. Because whites benefit from the system, the belief is that there is not much incentive for them to help eradicate systemic racism. Next, differential race racialization. Racial categories are invented and manipulated at different times for specific purposes of white people. An example would be how Japanese people were treated during World War II and Muslims after 9-11. Then we have anti-liberalism. Critical race theory questions the foundation of liberal order, including equity theory, rationalism, legal reasoning, and neutral principles of constitutional law. They reject the concept that laws can be neutral and just. And the last concept is storytelling and counter-storytelling. <clears throat> Their belief is that stories told uphold the current system. Counter-storytelling is effective for unlearning things that were commonly believed true. And people of color are uniquely qualified to speak about their experiences with racism. This concept could be an example of what's causing some concerns in the field of education and what students are being taught related to history. One example that's gotten a lot of attention in the last couple of years is the 1619 Project. In 2019, there was an, um, an op-ed in the New York Times <clears throat> that was put out about the 1619 Project, which was the 400th anniversary of when people were first brought over to the United States and sold as slaves back in 1619. But their premise of that is that that's when America was born, was, was the, when that event occurred. And they've also made a statement that the Revolutionary War was started in order to preserve slavery. 
The New York Times did retract that later, but it was still put out there. The concept of storytelling also relates to the comment I made earlier about intersectionality. Those in the opposed groups are the only ones that have the authority to speak on it. Neil Shenvey, who is a scientist, but he's also an apologetic, has shared several examples of these types of scenarios from social media. One in particular was when a white male pastor made a comment about justice, and he was lambasted that he had no authority to speak about justice. This was because he was a white male and part of an oppressor group. So your individual character doesn't seem to matter here. You are primarily identified by what group you are a part of. And even if there are statistics, reasons, and evidence to the contrary, again, they look to those in the oppressed group that have the experience and they are the deemed to be the ones with the authority to speak and that they are speaking the truth. So these are the concepts listed in critical race theory in a nutshell. But now we're gonna take another look and compare them to the biblical worldview. First, critical race theory culture asserts various classes and perpetual oppression. While the gospel teaches there is neither Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, slave nor free, Christ is all and in all. Next, critical race theory culture says that knowledge and authority only belong to the oppressed groups. But the gospel says, the unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. And thank you, Lord, for that. Then we have critical race theory culture says racism is ordinary, pervasive, and rooted in large-scale systems that oppress people today. The gospel teaches that the root of racial or any division is that all humans have sinful and corrupt desires. And last, critical race theory culture teaches that one's station in life, whether a victim or oppressor, is fixed. But the gospel teaches that one can overcome and live in victory. You know, Pastor Vody Bachman, or Bachum, excuse me, who I noted earlier wrote the book Fault Lines, he shared in the book that one of his purposes in writing was to expose and unmask the ideology of critical theory, critical race theory, and intersectionality so that blinders could be removed from people's eyes about it. He asserts that when you look at these truths laid out from the word of God and then the concepts that are driving these social justice ideologies, the concepts of them are really bearing false witness, which is not only breaking of a commandment, but is listed in the word as one of the seven things that God hates. I also want to say this, though. It's true that in this nation, people have endured many atrocities through slavery, unjust laws and practices such as voting restrictions and redlining, plus the whole separate but equal ideology that came out of the Plessy versus Ferguson Supreme Court case that's also commonly referred to as Jim Crow laws. The force behind those practices was evil. And our history, the bad and the good, needs to be taught and remembered. The Bible is full of examples where Israel's and other sins were noted. But you don't have to follow critical race theory ideology, that worldview, to call those practices evil. You can be a Christian and realize that those are evil. 
Again, all humans are sinful and they have corrupt desires. We all fall short, and that is why we need a, that's why we need a Savior. Plus, none of us need to be labeled as a victim or oppressed. We may have been victimized, but we are overcomers. And we also know as Christians we are to help rid the world of injustice and be actively involved in social justice issues. But we don't need to follow critical theory ideology to do that. In Micah 6, 8, it says we are to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before our God. We are also called to follow all of the Lord's commands in the Bible. But overarching everything that we're commanded to do is still the gospel that we are all sinners saved by the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection. So sin is our issue. We also need to realize that oppression comes from evil forces. There is a devil that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. When dealing with oppression, it is a spiritual battle, just like Phil mentioned earlier. In Ephesians 6, it states our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world as well as against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is why all of the effort to come up with these theories that aren't looking to the Bible and God, they come up short. Plus, the prophet Isaiah reminds us that the government is on God's shoulders, not man's. And what about the history in America? Dr. Tony Evans recently reminded his congregation how Frederick Douglass, a former slave, And Martin Luther King Jr., a civil rights leader, both loved America because of the founding documents concerning freedom. These documents state that innumerable rights were granted by our creator and that the government was here to protect them. So yes, there have been times where the application of these documents was not upheld, but the documents still exist. And they acknowledge God and that the government is on his shoulders. So we need to continue to stand and make sure that these documents don't get removed or changed for this nation. So we need to watch our worldview. Which one are you following? Please stand with me if you would while we close for today. There is so much more information on these topics. I just did a real high-level overview and defined some terms for you. So I created a list of resources that you may be interested in if you want more. It's printed out. It has some names, websites, some books, and again, that's just a sampling. The list is printed for those that want it. It can be found after the service. There's some great um, teachings out there. There's some organizations that are doing a lot of great work, um, some amazing stories. So I just encourage you to, you know, as the Lord leads you, to take some time and to become aware. But now I want to pray. Father God, I just pray blessings over each one here, each one listening. We pray for eyes to see and ears to hear what you are saying. God, I thank you for revelation. 
We thank you for wisdom and understanding of the times and seasons we are in and for when we need to stand. We pray for strength and courage to walk through these difficult days. I pray that each of us would lean into you during these heavy times. We pray for righteousness to reign in this land. Lord, I pray you would come and heal us. Keep those that are hurting so close. We love you, Lord, and we honor you today. And we are so thankful for this nation and the freedoms that we have. We speak blessings over America and the church, and we decree that God's grace is sufficient. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I would ask that the prayer team members would come forward, and if there are any of those, any of you, <laughs> that would like prayer for any reason, if you've been misled, betrayed, victimized, if you have a burden for prayer, they will be here to pray with you after the service. And also today, there's been a lot of talk about Jesus Christ being the answer. He is the answer for all of your needs. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I invite you to join in this prayer that all of us are going to pray together corporately. So please repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for redeeming me. I thank you that you love me for who I am. I know that I am a sinner, but your death and resurrection has paid the penalty for my sins. You are my savior. I am an overcomer and can be renewed in a new life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have prayed that prayer for the first time today, you can receive more information about a relationship with Jesus. There's information on the slide up here. But I want to thank you all for your time today and your attentiveness. Please come up for prayer if needed, and you all are dismissed.